as people who look down at those who go to therapy and say, oh, you know, look at them, they need therapy. Whereas I think, and that's not just because of the job that I do, that people who come to therapy are really strong people. It's not an easy process to be self-reflective. This week, how do you address those who are troubled in your family? This is a sticky dynamic, but Dr. Karen Sherman has advice. Stay tuned. Do you want to make 2017 the best year yet for your marriage? Subscribe to the Hitch newsletter so you can stay up to date with the latest marriage information and tips from the leading experts. Go to hitchedmag.com. There is a gray box on the right-hand side asking for your email address. Click subscribe and you're done. Again, that's hitchedmag.com. You can click the newsletter link to see all the newsletters we offer, or you can fill out your email address in the subscribe box. Click the subscribe button and you're done. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. And uh, you can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Today, we are going to talk about how to deal with uh, a bad seed in the family and, and perhaps that that isn't even a proper phrase to use a bad seed but um you know maybe that's something we can discuss as we get go through this um you know it seems to me that if you get to know somebody pretty intimately uh you will eventually find out about a family member or somebody very close to them who has essentially been erased from the conversations that they have at uh you know, just regular family gatherings or whatever the situation may be because of some sort of unsavory history or the like. How common do you think that is? Uh, Well, you know, it's only anecdotally. And I would say that probably every, not everybody, but a lot of people have somebody in their family that they're not comfortable with. Now, whether they've been erased from conversations, whether they've been ousted from the family, you know, that's going to depend. But I think that probably most of us have somebody in the family that we're not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. When you, when I think about this, I uh, one of the things I, I think of is the, uh, the old six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. Uh, where you can essentially connect anybody you know to Kevin Bacon in like six hops, right? (laughs) And so to, you know, we're speaking anecdotally about this, but if it's not one degree of separation, almost for certain two degrees of separation, you know somebody where this is a situation within their family, right? Um, And and, uh, this is a little political, but this is one of the arguments, uh, and I'm just going to say this because I have the platform. This is one of the arguments about the um, government spying stuff is the fact that they do this like three hop stuff of, you know, 
if you call somebody, then as long as it's three degrees of separation, which essentially covers the entire globe. So I bring this all back around to say that if this isn't immediately you, you probably know somebody where this is a situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, let, let's address for a moment, um, you know, you calling people a bad seed. And probably that's not a great term. Yeah. But I was okay with you using it because I think everybody could relate to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, – and. As we have discussed in previous podcasts, I feel strongly that language matters, and um, and so I wanted to acknowledge that you know because I feel like when people identify some somebody as a bad seed, um, there's typically a lot more that goes on to into it than somebody being born a terrible person. Like that's, I mean. There are so many factors right. that weigh into it to just call somebody a bad seed does, doesn't really ever give them a chance, right? Right. And the, not only that, but once you label somebody, everybody's going to start reacting to them that way. And then the person is going to react back based on the title that they've been given. So we do have to be very careful in the way that we label people. But again, I think for the purposes of our discussion today, it was probably something that you know, people listening go, oh, yeah, I know I've got one of those or I know somebody who has somebody that yeah. we call a bad seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's typically um, bestowed upon somebody because they um, have been given opportunities and haven't um, grasped and pulled themselves out of whatever situation it is. Mm-hmm. And again, um, there are so many variables that it would be difficult to even talk about uh, g- even generally what some of those situations might be. So mm-hmm. um, l- let's just keep on a, a, a more broad general uh, level of this topic um, and try to relate this to um, personal stories that or personal situations that people might be in and, and that way they can handle them appropriately or <clears throat> at least have a better understanding of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so if you have a family member who has an unsavory past. And, and when I say unsavory, let's say they were, um, you know, it, let's say un- addicted to drugs or perhaps committed a crime. Um, and again, that could vary from s- simple uh, theft to much more um, devastating crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, should it be something that you acknowledge, and I don't even know what I'm asking in that question. That's interesting because that was something that I was wondering about. (laughs) When you say acknowledge it, do you acknowledge it to yourself? Do you acknowledge it to other family members? Do you acknowledge it to friends? To whom do you, are you speaking? Yeah. What do you mean when you say acknowledge it? Okay, I'll uh, I'll play along here. Um, Okay, so let's say you um, are meeting some people, perhaps getting introduced, and they're like, oh, do you have any uh, siblings? Yeah, I have a brother or I have a sister. But you you also have this other person. And you know that if you say, uh, oh, yeah, I have two brothers, and and, you you say like, oh, my my brother's a a high school teacher. And Mm -hmm. oh, what does the other brother do? Right. Well, so, so you cut that person out of the introduction because the, you don't want to have to go down that road of, well, <laughs> he committed murder. You know, yeah. you don't well, want to say those things. Okay. But listen to what you said. You're first meeting someone. So it's not appropriate on a first meet to reveal, you know, lots of information. So you would either say, I've got two siblings. Uh, one's a teacher. What does the other one do? You know, um, you know, 
uh, their career hasn't been quite as stable, um, or or you just don't mention that person because again, in any relationship, you don't give all your information up front because that's a little weird. Um, it's as you get to know somebody that you give more and more personal data. So, so I guess you uh, answer my question if I may interrupt. Yeah. Uh, so you're you're basically what you just said is that you either uh, don't mention them or you essentially um, don't don't give like full disclosure of the situation. No, that's correct. It would be inappropriate. It's the why, same thing. I, I guess why? Like why? I mean, if that's the truth. No, if, no, 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 no. It's not. Uh, well, I'll give you the example. It's like if I meet you for the first time, I don't say to you, you know, hi, I'm Karen. And by the way, this is not true. But by the way, I have diabetes. Sure. But that because it's too much information. But you're not. But they're asking what they I, I, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I feel like w- in your example, it's unsolicited information. Like I didn't ask how your health was. Right. OK. So, so you could say, how many brothers and sisters? You know, do you, do you have family? Yes, I've got three siblings. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you just don't mention that one of the siblings happens to be in jail. So if so, if they do, then inquire. So what do they do? You just say, ah, you know. Right. Ah, that's a long story. Yeah, it's a long for story. another time. So you kind of skirt it because you don't yeah. want to because, yeah, okay. So I mean, and the, and the fact is that you have that knowledge in your back pocket it's not like this information surprising you that like oh i didn't realize my family member had a uh, a past that i didn't want to reveal so okay so that i mean that kind of answers the question and i guess i i guess okay so in that situation we were talking about a you know a stranger or somebody that you're meeting for the first time it might be a colleague it might be a friend of Mm -hmm. a friend Mm -hmm. Um, what about at like family gatherings, right? You, you get around the table, you're carving the turkey or the, the ham or whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, everybody at the table knows. Right. Well, that becomes a little bit more sticky because it depends on what your relationship is with the person who is having the difficulty. Mm-hmm. It depends on whether the family members who are making inquiry are making inquiry because they really care or is it gossip? Mm. And if it's because they just want gossip, yeah. for, for me personally, I wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, I would be vague. I might give some answers, but I certainly wouldn't give details. But if it's because there's true concern and true desire to help, then I would. I would talk about certain things. So... You know, it's my typical, it depends, Steve. Sure. Um, You know, again, it depends on what is your relationship to the person, and it depends on what the relationship or the um, uh, degree of concern is from the people who are asking. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you you say, like, it depends as if that is... uh, I, I know that you're not trying to... Um, remove yourself from answering the question, but I feel like that does a service because mm-hmm. it it allows people to feel okay about the decisions that they're making. Like I, a lot of times, people just want to be validated that uh, every, you know that their situation they're not handling it wrong or poorly or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. Because there are, as we continue to repeat, there are so many variables that go along mm-hmm. into this stuff, and 
another scenario uh, to add to this is if you're at a dinner table, it might be your sibling. It is your parent's um, child, you know, mm-hmm. and they might be more sensitive to that situation and they break down and cry every mm-hmm. time, it, you know, it's brought up or something along those lines. And so, you know, um, that you don't bring it up because you don't want to turn uh, the climate of the environment in a negative way um, because you know that person can't handle that conversation. So you hold right. it for another time. Absolutely. And so you can, you know, remove yourself from the dinner table and then you have that on the couch later on in the evening or something when you have some alone time with the person to give them Correct. the update that Correct. they're seeking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So one of the things that, uh, you know, we have talked a little bit about recently, and this goes into some of the fake news problems that we've talked about in politics and things of that nature that are a little bit out of our purview, but I feel like it's all kind of bleeding together a little bit. In this world where we are filtered information and only the information that we choose to see as opposed to what we need to see, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so... I wonder about the dangers of getting just information that you want to see. And so does acknowledging um, the, this person in your family or close relationship, does, does acknowledging it help prevent it from happening in the future with perhaps other family members? Okay. So first of all, I think, you know, we're talking about somebody who's been making bad choices. That's the most benign way that we can put it, right? Mm-hmm. And our acknowledging it is not going to prevent it. Um, the only one who can really prevent it is the person themselves. Um, there's a difference between acknowledging it to other people or even acknowledging it to ourselves mm-hmm. and addressing the concerns you have about the Um, choices the person is making with the person. And even if you do it with the person, that's not to say that they are going to then say, okay, yes, I have to do something about it. Let's say that the person drinks too much. Okay. So, you know, you could go and say, I'm really concerned about your drinking. I've noticed X, Y, and Z, but unless they're ready to do something about it, nothing's going to happen. Now, with that being said, though, if you, um, you know, again, you're, you're, you're gathered around with other members of the family or whatnot. And it's, it, you know, there, there are other people there who may not have taken the wrong turn yet, but being able to recognize that this person did take the wrong turn. Do you think that is, um, a deterrent for that person? Like, Oh, I saw that, you know, the signs were there and they didn't heed them. And you know, I, obviously there has to be some self-reflection there, but if you don't acknowledge it at all, is it easier for that person to fall into the same traps? I think that's an interesting point, if I'm understanding you correctly. What you're saying is, um, okay, let, let's make this up, that uh, Billy was uh, very depressed and uh, he had difficulty with his job, but he didn't talk to anybody and he decided he could handle it. The stress got to be too much and he started drinking because the stress was too much. And now we're sitting around at the family dinner and we say, you know, Billy could have come to us if he had spoken about it. We could have maybe networked or helped him or whatever, but because he chose to handle by himself, you know, and, and it ended up being too much, you know, he started to drink and now look what's happening. And maybe Charlie is sitting at the table 
and Charlie realizes that he's been feeling stressed and maybe it would be better for him to talk about it. Is that yeah, what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. So yes, I think in that case, that would be helpful. Um, you know, because, you know, maybe I, I think we learn a lot by observation and by seeing what happens to other people. So in that case, yes, I think that that might be a very useful kind of discussion to have. But as far as helping the person themselves, again, I'm going to go back to unless they're willing to help themselves, Mm -hmm. merely acknowledging it is not going to help. And for most people, most people, not everybody, discussing somebody else's problems, all they really do is sit around and talk about it. Um, I know that, and I don't know whether... It's my personality that made me become a psychologist or because I'm a psychologist, this is part of my personality. But, you know, when I always talk about it, it depends. Um, The ability to look at various situations is pretty much how I look at situations and, you know, for, for many different things. So when I'm talking about people and their behavior, whether they're coming to me as a client or not, I will have that perspective. Most people don't think like that. Mm -hmm. And so when they're looking at, quote, the bad seed, they will look merely at, well, so-and-so had an affair and that's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So-and-so has been drinking a lot and that's just plain wrong. And don't look at what the motivations are, what the extenuating circumstances are, what the stressors were, etc. So again, merely calling it out and acknowledging it isn't really a useful exercise. So, um, so from from what you were just saying, I gather that people um, lack, at least on the surface here, they they typically lack some sort of. Um, empathetic understanding of why and they are in it and they're inquiring about it almost merely for the gossip as you said earlier not so so much so that they could or to or for judgment because they you know it's one of these things where we see it frequently where people like to chop others down to make themselves feel like they're a little bit taller and yes And I'm going to add another piece to it. There's something called defensive attribution that if I look at somebody else and what they're doing and I can find some cause that I would not participate in, I feel safer. So, well, you know, Billy is drinking so much because he just doesn't know how to uh, talk about his problems. But I know how to talk about my problems, so I'll never be in that situation. Mm. And speaking of which, I, one of the things I do want to acknowledge is if to the situation that you described earlier so beautifully about the the person who had the job and so much stress and then the other person sitting at the table thinking like, wow, I'm pretty stressed. It takes um, an enorm- enormous amount of courage because that is such a vulnerable situation to mm-hmm. speak up and say something at that point, which I don't think most of us w- would do. Right, um, And because it is such a vulnerable thing, you're essentially telling people, I can't handle this and I need your support. Mm-hmm. And that is just, I mean, tremendous courage. I, I, I can't think of a better word. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, that goes along with, to me in a parallel way as people who look down at those who go to therapy and say, oh, you know, look at them, they need therapy. Whereas I think 
and that's not just because of the job that I do, that people who come to therapy are really strong people. It's not an easy process to be self-reflective. Yeah, so, I, I would and, just, I would say that it's even stronger because it's the people who need the help who don't seek it typically take it out on others and exert power on others in a negative way, not in a positive manner. Right. So, you know, if you have the guts and the strength to know I need a little help here, I think that that really shows a lot of, as you're saying, a lot of courage. Um. Moving on here, yes. If if uh, for the person who is down and out on their luck, let's say, or mm-hmm. has made some poor decisions, how much should you attempt to help this person before you you finally are just like I, I can't do it anymore? Like you have to, to your point, you have to want to help yourself at a certain point, and I can only give you so much support. How 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 much should you give yourself in these situations? Give of yourself. Well, you know, it, it, I think you've got to see that the the person who's having difficulty is in fact doing something to help themselves. If it's, you know, understand that to make change is difficult. Um, so to be there to support them, to get them going, to get them running, so to speak, is fine. But if they're constantly making excuses and not living up to what they say they're going to do, um, and, you know, it turns out that you're really doing more of the work, then they're not ready. And that's the way I like to phrase it. They're just not ready. Mm -hmm. I've worked with a lot of clients who make tremendous strides and then look at me and say, wow, you know, why didn't I do this 10 years ago? And my answer is always, you weren't ready. Because if you had been ready, you would have done it. Mm. I mean, is there... I mean, I, I suppose you don't really know if you're ready or not until you are ready. Are there any signs that you – like is there any way to know that you are close and you just need a little push and that's where your social network – and I say that both virtually and physically can, – can give you that nudge? Like this person could have made it if somebody had just given them – a little bit of support like they could have gotten through but you know everybody had just given up on this person and they tumbled down I think my gut feeling is if you're ready you sort of know you're ready and you just sort of say to other people you know I'm I really want to start a diet and exercise program and I just sort of need you to keep me on track Mm -hmm. you know it's not like yeah, I know that I'm a hundred pounds overweight and, um, I really need you to get me going. You just, you just know it and you just need a little help. So Uh, if, if, yeah, so it's almost like if there is, um, this isn't a chicken and egg question. This is really the the person who needs the help has to take that first step. Yeah. And, And it's when they take that first step that others can recognize like, oh, they're, they're reaching out to us or they're, making an effort and, you know, therefore a little help can really be, uh, be of tremendous support. Yes. yes. Um, okay. And, and when talking about all of this and how much you should you help, uh, or attempt to help somebody and all this kind of stuff is, is there any kind of level of responsibility or what kind of responsibility would you have? And particularly if this is somebody who's part of your, uh, immediate or close extended family. Well, okay, it depends. 
You know, I mean, I think that the immediate reaction is obviously if it's somebody from your family of origin, uh, you tend to feel closer to them. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to put out a little bit more effort for them. The it depends part is how bad a seed, using that our terminology just for the purpose of this podcast, is this person? How much have you been hurt by this person? So if you've had a sibling who has really made very bad choices along the way that has have impacted you, then you may not want to really go out of your way to help this person. Mm-hmm. And that would be very understandable. So is this one of those things where you can't help anybody, you can't help other people until you have helped yourself? And so if this person is more detrimental to your own personal health and well-being, that it's going to be really difficult to sure. provide support to them? Sure. Well, not only is it going to be difficult, but there's going to be resentment and there's going to be a sense of wanting to protect yourself mm-hmm. because this person has really hurt you in the past. Uh now, one of the and, – and I'm not an expert in these kind of t- type of situations, but my understanding is a lot of times people will try to be hurtful to those closest to them to create some sort of distance. Um, I mean, does, does that happen? And if so, like how can you see through something like that where they're just – you know, they're just trying to create distance from me. They don't mean it. I think that <sighs> – that's probably somebody who's really emotionally hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you've got, you know, a whole bunch of other problems where, you know, why are they hurting so much? Why would they need to create distance? You know, what else is going on? I mean, I think we're talking about a whole other area. Um, and again, if somebody is needing to do that, you can't force your closeness on them. Uh, what you can do if if you haven't been so hurt by them is you can just still make yourself available um, and let them know that if they're ready to or at some point they they want your closeness that you you know you are there if you haven't been so hurt by them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, are there any other things that you wanted to add to this conversation today? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes. Um, and I don't, I certainly don't recommend this often. Okay. Um, there's, there's two extremes I want to talk about. I have heard people in the past say, well, I, my sister or my brother did so-and-so and I'm not inviting them to my daughter's wedding because of this. And families end up breaking up, um, over things that are very petty. Mm -hmm. And life is short. Um, And yes, feelings get hurt. That's Mm -hmm. what happens because we're human. Um, And I think that nobody's perfect. Um, I think it really behooves each of us to try to talk to each other and understand each other and understand each other's feelings. And that would get us um, a lot further than to carry grudges. Um, And that it's sad when families um, do end up um, being disconnected from one another over small petty things. Um, I remember a situation in our own family 
and it's what caused it is not important, but we did not get invited to a cousin's wedding. And at one point, my father-in-law said, because this was old school, well, if my children aren't invited, we're not going. And I said, don't do that. You know, you're very close to them. They feel very close to you. If we got invited because of the stance you take, um, they're going to feel like there's a real loss because they feel very close to you. If they, we get invited because of that, we're not going to feel comfortable there. I insist that you go. Mm-hmm. And they went. And by the way, we're now all talking. The whole family is talking. You know, we've put everything behind us and, and it's fine. It's just not important anymore. That's one extreme. And when you when you say that it's usually over these little petty things, like they might be petty things, but the hurt it was, itself could it be a, like a deep, deep the, hurt. The, in fact, the hurt was deep. The reality is that it was caused by a miscommunication that many in the family don't even really know about. Mm-hmm. I know the miscommunication. I've not ever really expressed, told it to people because the telling of it would be very hurtful. Mm-hmm. So what, what difference does it make? And it make? doesn't, yeah, I was about to say, and it doesn't matter. What difference this, does yeah. it make? Okay. It's far nicer that we're all talking. So what difference does it make? Okay. So that's one extreme. On the other hand, I think I've told on this show that I had a very dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that I, my father was very toxic. Um, and when I say toxic, I'm talking about a lot of, he was very abusive. And there are times, but again, this is not something that I recommend often, but there are times when you do have to cut yourself off from people. And I did cut myself off from him because um, he was emotionally abusive and that was the least of it. Um, and so for the safety of my children, because uh, they were young, and for my emotional health, I had to cut him off. So I'm trying to give both extremes mm-hmm. um, to show that I do think most of the time when people end up cutting people out, um, it's it's not worth it. It's not important. And yet at other times, there are times that it does have to be done for your safety and welfare. Um, and, and I would add to the welfare of your family as well. Right. That's yeah. correct. Now, the other piece that I wanted to mention is there are times when the bad seed is not just making bad choices, but can be harmful to the family. So let's say that we find out that cute little grandpa is being inappropriate sexually. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you do need to let the other families know because if he's done something inappropriate to your children and your sister has young children, you have to let her know because you don't want your nieces and nephews to possibly uh, be endangered by grandpa. Mm -hmm. So when you say, do you acknowledge it and do you discuss certain things, that's why, you know, it starts to get very um, sticky because, again, it depends on what it is and it depends on what the situation is. And maybe you don't tell grandma because she's elderly and she's got a heart condition and it won't serve any purpose, but you've got to let your sister and your brother know because 
they have young children and you don't want them to be in the presence of grandpa, certainly alone. Yeah. And and there are a lot of situations that we could we could theorize about that have a threat of danger to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that or some drug abuser right. who exactly. might go off the rails. Like also there's a lot of things or alcohol abuse or there's a lot of things that we could discuss that that puts a threat of danger that makes it Correct. um at that point, it's a responsibility to inform others that's of, that, right. of that danger. That's right. Um, okay. Okay. So we're talking about simple things like I didn't get invited to a party, or my, you know, my daughter didn't get invited to a party, uh, all the way up to very serious things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, what, did, did you have any other final thoughts on that? Did did, did you get it all in? I I I no. Didn't I, mean to interrupt. I I those were my final thoughts, okay. and I felt that they were important to mention. Yeah. No. I'm really glad that you added those in there. Um, I think that that was very helpful. Um, okay. Well, this wasn't the cheeriest of topics, but I think it's one of those uh, topics of necessity that we we like to do from time to time. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, all your insight on this, Karen. Um, it's enlightening as always. So thank you very much. Thank you. And I want to remind everyone who has been listening to this episode, you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. We have links to this stuff on our website, hitchedmag.com. Uh, including uh, all the past archives on our podcast tab. Uh, There are also um, thousands of articles that you can go through. Uh, So um, take advantage of that resource. And uh, you can find us on all the social platforms as well, which, you know, if you like us or follow us on any of those things, it's an easy way to stay up to date on all the information that we uh, put out there. Uh, and, oh, we're also in Apple News. Uh, you can actually subscribe to us through Apple News if, if that's one of the new readers that you use. So check that out as well. Um, so one last time, thank you so much, Karen. It's always a pleasure. And thank you for sharing your personal stories. Well, I think that they help because, you know, then they're real. Um, and I, you know, I don't mind sharing them because if they help, then uh, I'm, I'm glad to, uh, you know, let other people understand more specifically Um examples that will be helpful to them yeah well i i i I, i'm on behalf of the the listeners uh thank you so okay (laughs) all right that is going to do it for us this week thank you so much everybody and take care until next time